What the hell is going on in America? In one year, we've seen lockdowns and masks normalized, along with the loss of our freedom of speech and a very suspicious election. We're being inundated with lies from the media that are intended to divide us and make us live in fear. You're called a kook if you believe in God, America, the Constitution, and if you're pro-police or pro-life. Enough is enough. If you believe in those things, you're right where you belong. Let's start getting the truth about America out there and coming together again. America needs new PR. Follow us on Parlor at America Needs New PR for the truth about our past, present, and future. What up, what up? Not much, man. How are you? Good, man. It's another day in Cookville over here. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like yourself? the days are getting more and more crazy every single day, right? Yes, sir. Everything all right with you, man? Yeah, man. Things are great. I mean, just, you know, working 16, 17-hour days, man. So it's been fun. Yeah. There you well, I'm back in uh, Michigan where the uh, weather is colder, but the internet is better. So <laughs> I apologize uh, last week for anybody who was following um, for the technical difficulties, but this week everything is going to be much better technically at least. So uh, yeah, welcome to the show. America Needs New PR live every Thursday at 8. Thanks for joining. Um, we got some awesome things to talk about uh, today. We're going to start with some good news because we actually got cut off. Uh, that part portion got cut off uh, last week when I wasn't able to, to rejoin after my internet went out. But uh, yeah, so we're going to start with some good news and then um, talk about some some interesting things going on. Um, we'll have to touch on the impeachment thing with Trump. I mean, although personally, I think it's pretty much a farce and I don't really even care to watch it or pay much attention to it. There are at least some interesting things going on that are entertaining at, at the very least. John, have you been uh, watching any of the trial? Um, no, I, I watched the first one. Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, I, you know, pretty, pretty closely. Uh, no, I have not watched this. I don't see the point. I just, you know, it's, I, I understand that like the reason why they're doing it is they don't want him to be able to run for office again. Yeah, but honestly, the way that you stop that is you just beat him at, at the polls. So if you're if you're concerned that he's going to win, just make sure you have good candidates who we can that will prevent him from making it into office. Wow. That's that's the solution. Wow, what a solution, John! This, this, <laughs> I mean, I don't. Seems reasonable. I, um, I think so. I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, that's how it works. I mean, if you don't if you don't like well, the team you're playing against, you know, then you you know you just beat them, yeah. and then then that's they go away. Yeah. But if Maybe. you're not uh, if you're not quite confident that you have any candidates that can beat them, then uh, you can see why they might be a little scared, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you know, actually, that reminds me of a quote I heard from uh, Dan Bongino uh, recently. If you guys aren't following him or haven't heard of him, I know a lot of you guys probably do, but um, I'd highly recommend his podcast. He's a former Secret Service agent. Um, he worked in the uh, Obama administration, um, so he knows a lot of what went on behind the scenes there. Um, but anyways, yeah, he has the uh, a podcast out, and he just he basically, I'm trying to remember the exact line, but basically he said Democrats have been winning on processes, not policies. So it just touches on like what you were saying. Hey, if you don't think you can beat the candidate, you know, you would think like, hey, let's try to work on some policies. Let's try to work on how we can uh, better position ourselves, but. That's not really what uh, the Democrats have been doing, in my opinion. They they know they can't win on policy, so they tried to beat us on processes. And so that's kind of where they got us 
last election cycle. And I think, you know, we're going to be a lot more prepared. And one of the things that I'll touch on today is a, a new um, a Republican candidate that's probably going to be running for office here. And the things that she touches on, but election integrity and, and big tech censorship are going to be two main things that any any Republican candidate, we have to try to make sure that they're, uh, you know, <laughs> On, on the same page with uh, with those things going forward. But anyways, yeah, your comment just just triggered that for me. So I just thought I'd throw that out there. No, no worries, man. I mean, there was a team when I was playing soccer as a kid that just would beat everybody. It didn't matter who it was. It didn't 99.99% of the time when you went up against them, you were going to lose. That's how good they were. Yeah. And I, I look at it like, you know, but it was one time. You know, if you beat him, you knew that that one time was all that mattered. And I and I and I feel like, you know, if 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 in this world, if we just there's there's people that are going to win. I mean, let's be honest. When you have an incumbent who's in office, chances are they typically win just because of the names are already there. It's easy. Well, pe- people are afraid of change. Yeah, yeah, it's what it is. And and this team, they they got so comfortable winning, they got so comfortable never losing <laughs> that when they actually lost, they didn't know how to respond. Very similar to how Russia responded in 1980. Was it 1980? Uh, mm-hmm. during the Olympics when they lost, they had no clue. They had never lost. They're like, what the hell does this feel like? <laughs> you know. So <laughs> yeah, I, I just think that you know we just need to we we need to have less. We need to have more people stepping up and 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 getting into the conversation about politics, and, and be willing to go in there with the idea that you're going to be making changes. Uh, and and whether they be subtle changes or drastic changes, but we need that to happen. We need people to start fighting for this country again. It's not happening. Absolutely, man. I agree 100. That's why I'm I'm getting involved, even though I. Like I said in my first show, I'd, I'd really prefer to to stay out of it. I mean, it just got to a point right now where it's just, you know, I, I feel like there's a dire need for this, and and many people are not willing to speak up. So if I can, and I'm able to, I will. You know, so I, I have time now, and I'm able to. I'm, I feel like I'm staying on top of things. And granted, I'm not an expert, uh, but <laughs> this is an amateur podcast, right? So well, that's true. But I have a question for you, Dave. And yeah. this is, I, yeah. I think this is this is a fair question to ask. Yeah. If you if you on some level and we've talked about this a little bit off camera, if you are on some level believe that what happened during the 2020 election cycle was fraudulent, it's almost like you're being put into a, again a, this group of people who are nuts. You know, I mean, it's it's like you know you know what if you think that way you're nuts. If you think that way, hey, it's been battled in court, you lost. So why are we still talking about this? Why why should people who are out there? Why? Why should people listen to us? You know what I mean? Because I feel like you know we've lost. They've taken away our credibility. Does that make sense? Like I, I feel know. like you know what I mean. No. Like okay, no, I, I understand what you're saying, but I don't think that most people actually agree with the narrative that the news media puts out there nowadays. I think okay. people are really starting to smarten up. Granted, there are a lot of people who still believe that and will say, "Hey, you know, it's time to move on" or whatever. Stop talking about and and. I'm on the same page too. I'm I'm trying to just think about how we can make things better going forward. You know, it's like fine. I don't want to keep talking about it either. It's happened. It's done. Fine. Um, but for people who still, you know, think I'm crazy or we're crazy, that's why I made I made a blog post specifically about this with all the information that I've compiled. So I mean, I'm prepared to talk about it with anybody. But um, yeah, I mean. I think people are smartening up and I think that just because the media narrative is that we're like domestic terrorists or insurrectionists, I think, I, I don't actually think that's what most people believe. 
out there right now, in my opinion. I don't know what your experience has been. Have you still have you encountered people that just think you're absolutely crazy or what? Well, I don't. Well, first off, I don't go off and, and really talk about it in a very public way. I have conversations yeah. with you know my family, my friends, and things like yeah. that in a in more of a private conversation. Um, but no, I mean, I, I can tell you this that like there are certain people in, in my not my say immediate family, but my my circle of friends and family that that are very passionate about this, you know, and yeah. and, and passionate about it on both sides. So it's it's good to kind of see you know that that side of it. But I just did some research here, and this is a poll that was done by the Hill. Uh, the poll says they found one in three people believe false claims voter fraud led to Biden win. So roughly 33% of America based Dude, on this poll. I think it's much more than that. That's that's Democrats. I've, I've seen polls that are like 75% Republicans believe it. <laughs> I guess it'd be, if there's a, you know, this is one thing I said. I, I remember in 2016 during President Trump's election when he was running for for president. I, you know, I, I was looking at the polls and I was I went to places that were Democrat like run cities, you know, like Los Angeles, for example. And I looked at the polls from like the L.A. Times and I looked at the plus or minus, you know, and I looked at that and said, wow, that's that's not really that bad. You know, like it wasn't 10 points off. It was like one and a half. And I looked at my wife and I talked to my father in law and I'm like, Trump's going to win this. And they're like, why? I go, because in, a, in, in that area, that poll. That's plus or minus one in, 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 a, in a, I mean, we're talking about predominantly dom Democrat, you know, yeah. state, city, whatever you want to call it. And then, you know, you go to like Podunk, wherever, and it's like he's like minus 10 points. You know? <laughs> so it didn't make any sense to me, but I'm like, he's going to win this thing. So I think that if we could find, you know, hey, 33 percent of Democrats think that there's voter fraud. That's a pretty strong number, you yeah. know, considering their their base. Yeah. So I, I still think that. um the Democrats might think that they're further along than they actually are. I mean, they 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 have a, the narrowest of margins right now of a majority in, you know, whatever the Senate and the Congress, and um, they they certainly don't have you know some sort of mandate like they've been saying you know to the from the American people. I mean, if at the very least you're talking about forty thousand votes, you know, across the whole nation of of how many people voted, one hundred forty million some people, forty some. Uh, 40,000 some votes in swing states of Michigan, Wisconsin, and Georgia could have swung the election. So, yeah. yeah. It, it, and, and before I forget, too, there's an um, uh, article that came out in Time Magazine last week. Did you happen to catch that one, John? I'm not a big reader of Time Magazine, but um, enlighten me. Well, I'm not, I'm not either, but it was a big article that came out because they're a left-leaning organization. And it was really yep. surprising to see that they actually came out admitting a bunch of the stuff that was going on behind the scenes to conspire and what they what they said quote unquote was fortify the election um not rig it but um the, it's it's very interesting to see um the ch what the chamber of commerce was doing um how they were controlling uh antifa black lives matter and um a lot of other groups that were uh working behind the scenes to get money for the get out to vote uh scenarios and whatnot so uh, if you haven't seen it and you're interested, it is it is a little bit of a long article, but I would highly recommend it if you are interested in learning more about what went on behind the scenes. There, it's a great article. No, I will definitely take a look at it. I was actually put this on the screen here, but Quinnipiac polls: seventy-seven percent of Republicans believe there was widespread fraud in the presidential election. Sixty percent overall consider Joe Biden's victory legitimate. So they're saying there was voter fraud, but there, but a, a good percentage of them say that the fraud probably wasn't enough to. You know, make him president, but there was fraud. Yeah. Is that how I look at that at least? Yeah. So, thought that was. Uh, is that what you were saying? Because you said like seventy five percent. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, it's something along those lines. But again, you still have to look at all the information that <laughs> they're still not getting. I mean, the mainstream media is not talking about a bunch of the stuff that went on behind the scenes, like that TCF Center video that I I didn't hear. Did you hear anybody talk about that? Um, no, no, I, I don't think that I did. Not that, but again, I'm not I'm not watching the news as much as I used to because I just it's not. I, I go to I go to places like Newsmax and. I check out all the different news stations now. Just on to Newsmax did mention actually, yeah, Newsmax did mention it. Grant Stinchfield did on yep. his show, but yeah, I mean, here you have an, um, you know, they finally got video evidence of what went on that night, and it's pretty damning. Um, but nobody wants to touch it. Nobody wants to say anything about it. So it's it's you know, it's so seventy-seven percent of Republicans feel this way without even getting a lot of the information that's out there. That's really really bad. <laughs> and and I've always said this. I've always said like, hey, if there's a, a voter fraud and it's provable and there's facts and there's things like that that I could put my hands on basically in touch, you know, I, I'm 100 percent behind it. The problem is, is that you just don't. Unfortunately, because and this is the true story, truth, as far as you just don't know what to believe anymore. You just don't know what to believe, even if it's in front of you. You know, look what's happened with just like with police shootings. You know, we get like 10 second clips and there's 60 there's six minutes more of stuff we don't see. And now you're left in that 10 minute, that 10 second clip or that 20 second clip making a decision about what you think would happen there. Mm -hmm. And that's how we are in today's world. We look at a 10 second clip and or a headline and we're sold. We're sold. We're done. Okay, I'm good. I moved on. Yeah. Um, we've gotten lazy with our research. So I feel like, you know, so, even though you have probably a ton of stuff that you know and there's a ton of evidence out there, and I believe that there's evidence out there that would support a lot of these things. But until you see it and you actually feel it, you know what I mean? Like it's hard to to to, to get around, get get behind it. Oh yeah, I hear you. That's why they they delayed some of this stuff coming out so long. It's like they were trying for months to get this video, and it just finally came out. Of course, now it's not a big, it's not nearly as big of a deal as it would have been. But no, at definitely. any rate, um, yeah, I don't know how we got off on this tangent, but uh, I don't know, man. <laughs> hey, it's American News New PR. I don't know. It's like, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean that. People who might be just tuning in may think that this is all we ever talk about. So, uh, no, it's uh, on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if anybody would like to carry the conversation offline, please feel free and hit me up. Uh, America needs new PR.com. You can uh, check me out there. But, all right. So, um, first segment, I wanted to uh, talk about good news, right? Um, first thing that I came across was uh, a few articles from Wall Builders Live. Uh, this is the guy, um, I read his book here on uh, the Throwback Thursdays, David Barton and uh, Rick Green. Um, these guys are, you know, um, thought to be some of the best guys around as far as American history and to know the Constitution. So I listen to their podcast and uh, they came out with a few ones uh, earlier this week, Monday and Tuesday, with some, some good stuff. So first one, um, just had a, a statistic about socialism that I wanted to throw out there. Um, John, any idea how many people you think um, support socialism nowadays? I mean, my guess would be somewhere in the neighborhood of between 40 and 49 percent. Oh, that's a good guess. So it was actually 42 percent yeah. in 2018 is now down to 32 percent. Oh, wow. Yeah. So this was a poll that a guy named George Barna did. Um I'm not sure where he's from, but they uh, they featured him on the show. So just to, to let you guys know where that was from. But um, that's a good sign. I mean, you would think that uh, with how the election turned out, that more people would be supporting socialism. So um, that's kind of a telling sign there. So that's a good sign Yeah. Uh, for people who are capitalists and who uh, like America. <laughs> um, there was also another article that came out with 
um, about stuff that Americans agree on. Now, John, any guesses here? So they said like 70 to 80 percent. If it's like 70 to 80 percent of people agree on something, they would say it's like, you know, something that Americans, quote unquote, officially agree upon. So about 75 percent. He found a few things. Any idea how many things you think Americans uh, agree on uh, that, that he could find at 75 percent? It seems like it would be very few, right? Yeah, I, w I would. I, I, I bet you it's actually quite a few things. Um, my first guess would be probably health care. I think that people as a whole agree that healthcare is an area that we need to do a better job on. Whether we how we do it, it's a whole other thing. But mm -hmm. I think um, most people probably agree that, um, and this is my point of view at least, is that um, we could do a better job with how the government manages its money um, yeah. or it spends money. Mm -hmm. uh, I think we can all agree on that government doesn't do enough. We're doing too much bickering. Um, so I don't know. And then I think the other one would so be many, probably, uh, probably middle class constitutional impeachment trials. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, yeah, <laughs> you know, or, you know, but yeah, yes. I mean, without going into to, to detail about that, but I think that we all agree on that. I think we also agree on social security. I think that, you know, when we retire, um, you know, like having pharmaceutical stuff, you know, medicine, you know, I think that that, I don't know that falls in the same category as like healthcare, but you know, pharmaceuticals, us people going to Canada to get cheaper drugs makes zero sense. Right. Well, you, you hit on some of them. Uh, there were there were six things that he found that um, Americans, quote unquote, agree on here. So I'll just go through some of these again, just to hopefully give some some hope and some good news out there to people, because um, it doesn't always uh, it's not always what it seems, in other words. But um, uh, he said it's at 83 percent of Americans, 87 percent who voted for Trump, 84 percent who voted for Biden say they want government to aggressively increase the number of manufacturing jobs in the United States. So that's a good thing. Yeah, um, probably something that the pipeline XL and uh, some of the things that Biden is doing are not helping with. But um, <laughs> another example, investing heavily in restoring the nation's infrastructure. Eighty one percent of all Americans are behind that including 83% of Trump supporters and 84% of Biden supporters. Um, okay, and then so the uh, Medicare and Social Security are the next are three and four, which you mentioned there, John. And then you've got, let's see, three out of four people, regardless of who they voted for, saying they want to reduce the federal government debt. So that's kind of <laughs> a no-brainer that, that yeah. everybody should probably want. And then reducing federal income taxes, again, uh, probably a no-brainer. But that was uh, three-fourths of the country, 73%. Okay. The question becomes then how – this is where parties, the party lines differ is where how do, you, how do you solve that problem? Great. We know where there's a problem. What's the solution to it? Yeah, you no, know? true. But, I mean, Biden ran strictly on, you know, one of the main things he said was he was going to raise taxes. Um, so that was uh, something that wouldn't jive with what's going on here. But – Anyways, um, yeah, it's it's definitely something that, yeah, uh, you know, grants further discussion. Um, but the other one that was uh, interesting here, 73% of Americans want to increase school of choice and give parents more choices. Now, I don't have uh, kids myself. Um, I'm, I'm a little familiar with the topic and, and how I feel on it. I know, John, you have kids. So just curious how you feel about the, the school of choice and where you well, stand on it. We've been homeschooling our kids for seven years because we just can't oh, stand wow. the educational process, the system. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, we've been homeschooling them since yeah for seven years, almost eight years now. Um, okay. We just we just not happy with the system, you know. Right now, you know, and this is the thing when you talk about when we first said the word homeschool, the first thing that my parents and people who didn't agree with us said, 
Well, what about the social part of? Well, we, I don't send my kids to school to become social beings. I send them to school to learn. Uh, mm -hmm. Social is part of that. It's kind of like goes with it. But we, we, when I go to work or if you go to work, yeah, there's a social aspect. But your job is to make money and produce. Um, and that's my thought process. So my kids, they do two hours a day of school, and then they have seven hours a day of playing. Wow, <laughs> so nice. you know, yeah. three hours a day they do their they do their schoolwork and then they're done. I mean, and, and there's and there's so much wasted time in school between going to classes, lunches, recesses, yeah. whatever else that you might do. Um, and my kids are very smart and intelligent. And so, as far as school of choice, our school of choice is is the homeschooling school of choice. Interesting. But, uh, so you school homeschool them yourself or your wife? Well, helps? we have we you know we we use an online platform that's Christian based. Uh -huh. And we use a Christian based platform where they do, uh, you know, Bible study every day. And they, you know, my, my daughter can recite, you know, basically the whole, whole New Testament <laughs> so, wow, um, verbatim, great. you know, which is pretty Wait, cool. Uh, which one is it? Just out of curiosity. Oh, uh, we use Monarch AOP. Um, okay. And that's called like Alpha Omega. Alpha Omega. Uh, then before that, we use them called um, Abeka. And they're based out of uh, Pensacola, Florida. They actually have a college there. Oh. Um, that's a much more in depth, like, you know, you're going to school for like eight hours a day. The, we made the, we gave the kids the opportunity with, with, where they wanted to go and, and they chose mm -hmm. to go the Monarch way, you know, mm -hmm. and, and I enjoy it cause it's easy. So how long have you guys been doing it? Seven years. It's, it's been going well. You feel like they've been. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm not missing a beat. Yeah. And, and again, there's, you know, the, the, the reality is, is what are you trying to send your kids to school for? Right. I mean, like when I was a kid, we didn't talk about that. My parents didn't give me the, oh, you're going to school. I didn't have a choice. But what was I going to school for? You know, school is designed to pump you out. And at the time it was designed to pump you out, either go to manufacturing, blue collar, or is send you off into the war. That was what school was for back 50 years ago. It hasn't changed, really. I think people have forgotten that the school looks the exact same way it did 100 years ago. Because they wanted us to all go to manufacturing jobs. They wanted us all to yeah. go to the army. They well, wanted us to be a punch a clock. You know, and be used to that. Yeah. Oh, so I mean, it's stuff uh, that is is going on inside the the curriculum that they're teaching, particularly about America and critical yep. race theory and all that stuff, is very disturbing. <laughs> so, well, well, yeah, uh, it is. And 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 again, I mean, obviously, there are things that I want my kids to know. Um, yeah. Our job as parents is to build a good, solid foundation for our kids, so that when they grow up, they 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 can maybe you know do some things and they can test the waters, but the foundation doesn't crack. Mm -hmm. um, my job is not to let the school help set that foundation for them. That's my job. And I don't like Amen, the fact dude. we didn't yeah. like the fact that they were going to dictate the foundation for our children. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm glad I asked you about that. That's that's good. Uh, <laughs> good to know. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's all good, man. Yeah. So we probably went a little bit long on this first segment. I don't know. We need to go to a commercial break here. Or yeah, we, we do. Got? I want to dive into this first one uh, tonight. Uh, our our first commercial break is well, they're all the they're all part of the same thing. But I, this new okay. thing coming out here on Saturday at one o'clock is a father's story. Uh, and I'll let uh, I'll let the audience uh, get an idea of what that's all about. On October the 29th, 2010, uh, Nathan, our second child, uh, was born uh, born at St. John's Hospital in Detroit, Michigan. It was it was unlike our first. Uh, you know, Brianna was born in 2008, and you know that pregnancy was unremarkable as far as anything unexpected, complication wise. Uh, everything about that was, in the whole sense of the imagination, a very easy and uncomplicated pregnancy. Nathan, we found out during the course of our pregnancy, 
that some things, there were complications and some things that we needed to be prepared for the day that he was born. We had to have a uh, pre-planned induced labor where we had a team of eight doctors and four nurses in the room ready to go in case something went, went wrong. So that uh, drops here on Saturday afternoon at one o'clock. It's already up on the on the platform for instant premiere. So, cool. Looking forward to it. Yeah. So, are we moving into Russian disinformation? How is we are? Yeah. Yes. Uh, cool. So, boom. There it Russian is. Disinformation. All right. For those uh, who haven't heard my spiel on this uh, title of this section, this is true stuff that happened last week. Uh, just my kind of uh, way of making fun of the mainstream media. And how they call uh, stuff that's a lot of times true, uh, Russian disinformation. So Russian disinformation, here we go. Um, three things I want to cover uh, today from, from last week. Um, some new information is coming out about Capitol Hill. Um, again, I don't want to just keep talking about this stuff over and over again, but this is kind of important stuff. Um, and, and, you know, they're also talking about it in the uh, impeachment trial here as well. So, um, John, do you have that screenshot from the Epic Times? Uh, let's see that? here. The uh, I, I do. One. Let's take a look here. Uh, uh, the one with Maxine Waters? Nope. Uh, it's, it has the, uh, the Epic Times on there. It should have been the first one I sent you. Hang uh, on here. That's okay. If not, I'll, I'll start. I, I, have, I have all these screenshots, but I didn't know which one was the Epic Times. So, uh, that's okay. That's okay. Yeah, we were scrambling to get this uh, up here. I'll just read a few excerpts from the article, and if you can pull up the, uh, the picture, cool. If not, no big deal. Um, but, yeah, so this is from the Epic Times. Um, more information coming out about Capitol Hill. Uh, former President Tr Donald Trump offered to deploy 10,000 National Guard troops in Washington, D.C. prior to January 6th, the day of the Capitol building breach, according to former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows. Meadows told Fox News Sunday Morning Futures that although Trump had been vocal about offering Capitol Police and National Guard presence at the Capitol on multiple occasions last month, his offer was rebuked every time. We also know that in January, but also throughout the summer, that the president was very vocal in making sure that we had plenty of National Guard, plenty of additional support, because he supports our rule of law and supports our law enforcement and offered additional help, Meadows told host Maria Bartiromo. Bar Bar um, even in January, that was a given as many as 10,000 National Guard troops were told to be on the ready by the Secretary of Defense, Meadows said. That was a direct order from President Trump, and yet here's what we see. All kinds of blame going on around, but yet not a whole lot of accountability. That accountability needs to rest where ultimately should be, and that's on Capitol Hill, Meadows added. So that's all that I had from that particular article. But, you know, if you're inciting a riot, uh, it would be hard to think that you would want 10,000 troops to, <laughs> to, to be there to uh, help guard and secure Capitol building. So uh, it just goes to, to to hopefully make people think a little bit more about what's going on here. I mean, um, I wanted to show some videos last week, you know, and I mentioned them about videos of police actually letting people in and um, just the motives that you you would see. Like, I mean, if Trump really wanted to incite a riot, you know, would he have like a couple thousand of these people go in there unarmed? I mean, if he really did want to uh, have a riot there, or and, and you know have an insurrection is that really the way to go about it um if you just think about it logically that uh it doesn't really seem to make sense but if you look at it as a motive on the other side you know this was trump's pretty much last stand to kind of make the his case and it got completely derailed 
So uh, you can see that they might have had a motive. Now, they're still investigating this. And there's still information coming out, but just something to think about. I mean, who really had the motive for this to happen the way that it did? I'll just I'll just leave it at that unless, John, you want to make any comment about it. No, I mean, I think that I think the reality is, is that, you know, um, there is one side that loves Trump and there's one side that hates Trump. And the one side that loves Trump is always going to do everything they can to protect Trump. And there's the other side that since they hate him, they're always going to do things to bring him down. I think it's a problem. You know, yeah. I think that we need to as a, as a society, as a country, we need to say, OK, well, we might not agree with somebody, but if we don't agree with them, that's when we have to stomp all over them and just start making shit up, you know, or making things worse just because we don't like somebody. It's the definition of being a bully. It's a definition of schoolyard bullcrap. You know what I mean? Like let's gang up on somebody because we don't like them. And that's exactly what's happening. Yeah. They, they play dirty, 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 man, for sure. So uh, hopefully people are waking up to that. But um, that was just, you know, another interesting thing that I saw that came out uh, last week. Um, another was uh, an article or just a piece that Tucker Carlson did on uh, Fox News last week and um, specifically some information about uh, the deaths now. OK, because the narrative is right that this was a deadly riot and, uh, you know, that the police officer got killed. So I just wanted to go over, you know, this information with people just so, you know, hopefully this this uh, adds some clarity to, to what happened here. So I'm going to read a couple bullet points from the article. Um, one of the things Tucker talks about is the idea that five people died as a direct result of the riots, a statement that has been made more times than one can count by the news media. In regards to what we actually know right now, he notes that one person died of what appears to have been a heart attack while on the phone with his wife. Another man had a stroke and there's no evidence he was even part of the riot that day. Another woman died after passing out, possibly being trampled by the crowd as a result. In other words, of the five people listed as dying that day due to the riots, three of them were unquestionably accidental. Does that make their deaths any less tragic? Of course not. But it does provide context to the idea that a rabid mob, as bad as their behavior was, were simply murdering people without care that day. The fourth person to die that day was Ashley Babbitt, a woman who had entered the Capitol building that day, as Tucker notes. Uh, she... Um, She's the only one whose circumstance of death are essentially confirmed. She was shot by the police officer while attempting to crawl through the window. We've all seen that, the bullet hit her in the neck. Okay, the, that brings us to Sicknick, the police officer. His death has been heavily politicized, including an apparently false death story spread by mainstream outlets for a month. Yet the mystery surrounding what actually happened to him remains. What, do, um, what does look more likely is that his death, like the first three people discussed, was accidental. Perhaps he had a stroke due to exposure to pepper spray. Perhaps he had another comorbidity. We simply don't know. But the fact that a question may be uncomfortable or that it might blow up a uh, chosen narrative should not remove it from the discussion. So, um, yeah, the, the narrative was that this police officer was beaten over the head with a fire hydrant. Did you hear that? Uh, yes, I did. As a matter of fact, I think they showed a picture of our video yesterday of, of Mike Pence and they showed officer green, I guess, I guess running towards Mike Pence as they was trying to exit the building. I think they showed that yesterday. Um, okay. it was like the last, I think the last moments of him being, you know, conscious and, um, and, and walking around. But yeah, I, I have heard many different, the problem is there's so many different stories, you know, which one well, do you believe? Yeah, I mean, but particularly with this situation with the police officer that died, you know, they're trying to make it seem like it was the mob that that killed him by hitting him over the head with a fire hydrant, which is, I mean, they've been investigating this for a month. They, you, you know, if that There's was the cameras all over that place. 
yeah, if that was the truth, you know, they would have been pushing that out there all, you know, you would have heard all about it. So they haven't found any evidence of that. So that's why they're saying it's probably most likely something that happened as an accidental, you know, thing to the, the pepper spray or some of the other stuff that might have been around. But it's just important to, to because, again, the way that they want to frame it is that, you know, the, the insurrectionists were uh, attacking the Capitol and just killing people left and right. I mean, of all the deaths, it seems like almost all of them were were accidental, except the one who Trump supporter who got shot. So um, just something that is uh, an, an important thing, I think, to note as we go forward and how this thing is actually going to be looked upon in, in history. Yeah. All right. So, uh, OK, so that was the first thing. A few more things just about uh, local Michigan candidates that I heard that are coming out. This is <laughs> exciting for me personally. Um, but uh, there's a guy by the name of Austin Chang. Did you hear about this, John? Um, no. OK. Austin Chang, 35 uh, year old um, entrepreneur, veteran, African immigrant, announces Republican challenge to Gretchen Whitmer. <laughs> oh man, my heart just exploded when I saw this guy. I think uh, this guy looks like a good candidate. I'll be honest, I don't know much about him right now. Um, but if we were to get a legit candidate to run against Gretchen Whitmer, um, that would be great for us. Uh, so I'll read a couple bullet points about him. This was from a Breitbart uh, article uh, last week. Austin Shang, 35, told the Kyle Austin Olson show this week that he moved to America after college to join his family who immigrated to the state in 2008. When I began this campaign, it was because of the love that I have for the state. I couldn't just stand by and let everything just fall apart without doing anything about it, he said. Chang said he is deeply conservative and cited the First and Second Amendments as things that need to be defended. Our American values are based on Judeo-Christian principles. That's not something anybody should be ashamed of, he said. Chang charged that Whitmer bases her decisions on politics. She doesn't care about the people of Michigan, he said, adding the governor has surrounded herself with a group of people who just say yes. He said that was a classic characteristic of a dictator. So uh, is that him? It is. Really? Oh, yeah. Sorry. To okay. that, is, that is him. Oh, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, like I said, I don't know much about him right now, but he looks like a champ. I mean, uh, he sounds like he's got the right values that we'd be looking for. I haven't heard him talk or say anything, but uh, hopefully he's he's good. I mean, that would be exciting for us. I don't know how you pronounce his last name, but it's C-H-E-N-G-E. -E, so I'm assuming it's Shenge, not Shang. <laughs> yeah, I might have mispronounced it. But um, but yeah, it says Michigan GOP candidate for governor is a black man who wants to cancel Black History Month. He That's wants to cancel. Oh, I, oh, I didn't hear that. Okay, yeah. <laughs> that That's might offend right That might offend some people. Uh, yeah, probably. Where'd you, get that Where'd you get that from? CNN? Uh, no, that's the Metro Times. The smear campaign is out on them already, huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh! All right. Well, um, we'll have to do some more research on it, but um. Yeah, I only saw one little thing about it, so I but I uh, wanted to let people know about that, and hopefully that uh, can encourage some people. Um, the other Michigander that I saw uh, is I don't know if she announced. Yes, she did. She announces run for Michigan uh, state Republican uh, for for Congress. Um, Melissa Carone. Um, I don't know. Did you hear about this uh, this lady at all, John? Is, is Melissa? Is she? Um, is she the one that was in like during the whole like TCF thing? Yeah, well, not TCF, but she was uh, uh, part of the trial with Rudy Giuliani here. Yeah, 
Um, do you have the uh, the screenshot of her? Yeah, there you go. Okay, Dominion whistleblower Ms. Melissa Crone has announced her intention to run for state rep in Michigan's 46th district. Crone hopes to replace conservative Michigan uh, state rep John Riley, who defeated his Democratic opponent in 2020 with a 62% vote. So he's uh, a popular conservative, but he's unable to run for office again because of the uh, uh, term limitations. So uh, she's going to run against him. Um, there's a few bullet points in the article that I saw this from. It's from 100percentfedup.com. Um, I'll read a few here. So Carone told us that if she's elected in 2022, her number one priority will be election integrity. The fearless whistleblower who's been threatened with a lawsuit by Dominion Voting Systems says her goal will be to make sure Dominion voting machines are removed from all polling locations in Michigan. She believes voters need to go back to hand-counted paper ballots. Melissa would also like to see mail-in voting eliminated. Carone told us that she believes, I believe elections in Michigan have been unfair for a while and that she believes voter ID needs to be enforced for all voters in Michigan. The brave female conservative candidate believes Governor Whitmer is behaving like a communist with her strict lockdowns. We need to get our state open and our economy going, she told us. We also need to get people off unemployment and working again, Crone said. When it comes to Michigan schools, Crone is passionate about bringing God back and making sure our kids are saying the Pledge of Allegiance in school. So, yeah, looks like she's, uh, you know, aligned with a lot of the... <laughs> What's that? She's very optimistic. I like it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's got, uh, she's going to be a force to reckon with, it looks like. Um, she's not backing down. She knows what she's up against, and she knows uh, what it's going to take, and she's aligned with a lot of values that, that I uh, would be looking for, especially when it comes to, like I said, this election stuff. I mean, she's she's all over it, man. She was there firsthand. She knows she know what's going down, and she knows what uh, what the system needs. So I thought, I'm excited I, thought, about I thought she was a Democrat. I thought that she was actually a Democrat during this whole thing. No? I could have swore that she was – she's like, hey, I'm like a Democrat. I thought that's what she said during the trial. And I was like, whoa, someone from their side is coming out and saying something. Um, there were. There were. I don't I don't know if it was her specifically, yeah. but uh, it doesn't look like she's a, she was ever a Democrat <laughs> from what she's been <laughs> saying. Uh, so uh, at any rate, um, I'm excited about those two candidates that I heard about from Michigan last week. So that does it for uh, Russian disinformation. All right. Well, let's uh, let's do this. You know why? Because she's lying to you. That's why. You understand me? Lying. Lying to you. All right. <laughs> uh, this is the segment where I talk about people lying to you. Shocker, right? Um, let's see. What do we got here for this segment? Um, you caught me by surprise here. Um, I thought we were going into another one, but that's okay. Um, I got the one that is a uh, 77-page impeachment paper and identified 75 lies. Do you have that screenshot there, John? Well, let's see here. I'm assuming it's this exclusive here. I have lots of things here. Hang on here. Uh, That's all right. Um, it, as you're uh, looking for that, I'm just going to go ahead and, and read some of these. Um, so uh, there's a, th this guy that wrote this paper is um, Joe Hoff from the Gateway Pundit. And uh, he pretty much broke down like 10 major lies that he saw in the uh, impeachment paper that uh, they wrote up for this impeachment trial here. So I'll go through a few of them. Um, let's see. OK, so lie number one, the very first sentence reads, the trial arises from President Donald J. Trump's incitement of erection against the republic he swore to protect. Fact, President Trump did no such thing. I had a front row seat at his speech on the White House ellipse. 
Uh, I listen to every word. Here is the text if you want to read it for yourself. Uh, they give a link. Um, the president recounted his views of what had happened in different states when it came to running the elections in their state. Then he said, I know that everybody here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. There was nothing, nothing said to cause an incitement of insurrection or incitement of erection, as Chuck Schumer would say. Did you see that one, Jill? <laughs> I did, I did. Oh, gosh. Mm -hmm. All righty. Line number two. The charge says, in a grievous betrayal of his oath of office, President Trump incited a violent mob to attack the United States Capitol during the joint session, thus impeding Congress's confirmation of Joseph R. Biden Jr. as the winner of the presidential election. Fact, as stated above, Trump did no such thing, saying, I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard is hardly a grievous betrayal of the presidential oath of office. That is a lie. Lie number three. He spent months asserting without evidence that he won in a landslide and that the election was stolen. Fact, Donald Trump produced volumes of evidence of a stolen election. There were state legislative hearings at which one person after another came forward under oath to testify to the evidence they had personally witnessed. Over there at David Horowitz's front page is a detailed account of the evidence, the headline, yes, it was the stolen election. Um, so this sentence is the impeachment charge is another lie. Um, that one I'm sure some people might question, but um, if you go to this article and you wanna read more, uh, he's got a lot of, of, of information there to say the least. Uh, line number four, here's what the impeachment charges say about the crowd that gathered behind the White House ellipse to hear the president and others speak. The crowd was armed, angry, and dangerous. Okay. <laughs> well, I was there myself, and I did not see anybody who was armed. I mean, obviously, people were angry, um, but, uh, and I have videos, you know, showing our, you know, walking over there and everything as well, and um don't, I didn't. I didn't see anybody armed, and didn't feel like it was a violent mob at at at, at all. So, um, and then he so he says, "Fact, I was there in the front row. There was rock music being played. People all around me were dancing, laughing. I have the video I took to say otherwise is a lie." Lie number five: The crowd in front of the president was tense. Okay, he says, "I have the video. It was not." Um, there's a few more here. I just wanted to see. Let's see. Okay, yeah. Line number six, the charge, then he aimed them straight to the Capitol building, de declaring, you'll never take back our country with weakness. You have to show strength and you have to be strong. Back left out again and deliberately, deliberately the president's call to be peaceful and patriotic. Um, and then let's see. The president is accused of failure to take charge of decisive security response. So this is something we touched on earlier with the troops. Um, but in fact, the president of the United States has no authority over security of the U.S. Capitol. Those who do, uh, the House and Senate sergeants at arms, House and Senate committees, and the architect of the Capitol. Another lie. So um, he goes on to, to say a few more here. But for the, uh, for the sake of time, because we have a few more segments, that I'm, I think we're a little bit over time. Uh, I'll just leave it at that. But um, yeah, just, uh, uh, you know a few interesting things, but I think most people are kind of sick of just hearing about this kind of stuff already. Right. I mean, um, it's, it's, it's pretty obvious. I think to anybody that knows what's going on, it's just political theater and, uh, it's, it could be entertaining. I mean, some people might watch it and then be entertained, but as far as it being politically significant, uh, it's just, yeah, like you've stated, another attempt for them to try to just make sure he never runs again, which uh, in, in my opinion, just 
speaks more about them than it does about him. And you know, honestly, look- I don't even know why. I don't even know why he'd want to. You know what I mean? It's like this guy lost half of his net worth over that time period. He had not. I mean, regardless of what the things that he said, and I'm not saying that he didn't deserve some form of backlash or things that he said or didn't say. Uh, but this guy, what, what what is the purpose? You know what? Just just go retire. Go go play golf. You know, leave it alone. I mean, I know people say He'll come back and run because we know we support Trump, but why? So he can be, you know beaten down for the next four for four more years again like it just seems like it's a nightmare <laughs> yeah no i I, just, I mean and and his whole family too i mean what they do but the thing about it is i think the damage has already been done i mean they already kicked him off twitter right they already are, are you know kind of try to get him in it they're like going through withdrawals because they can't talk about him anymore yeah i mean but, viewership but, are down at all the networks because no one's talking about trump anymore it's a very yeah, boring exactly. time right now in politics yeah exactly um <laughs> But but yeah, for him himself again, it goes back to why he ran in the first place because he loves our country, Ben, and and uh, uh, the people who support him know that he's. I don't want to say the only one, but one of the very few people who's willing to you know stand up against the deep state and these people who are just corrupt as all hell. And uh, you know, if he doesn't run, I hope somebody, <laughs> you know, uh, like him runs who has a backbone and you know, obviously maybe. Uh, tweets a little bit nicer that that people you know can can like, but I mean, we're in a time, man, where we're we're fighting a pretty strong enemy, man, and we need a strong leader, in my opinion. So yeah, um, they can't be you know your weak Mitt Romney types, in my opinion. I mean, that's just not going to cut it. You, you know, you really need to have somebody who's going to be a strong leader in there. So um, at any rate, uh, we'll see what happens. But um, yeah, his motives are definitely not financial because, as you mentioned, he lost half of his net worth. And uh, to see what his family has to go through, you know, because of this is really sad. But uh, he so, loves our country. He loves our country and he knows what he can do. So that's that's why he did it. No worries. No question. All right. We'll yeah. take a break. We'll come back. and We'll hit uh, homie, please. All right. All right. calling. I mean, when our, our phones tapped. I mean, we're like literally having this kind of a, a nuts conversation where I don't understand why we're not getting information. And he goes, Mr. Turner, we will see you tomorrow at three o'clock. And, and then we'll tell you everything tomorrow. It was one of the worst nights me and Bianca have ever had because it's it's it's, it's like having that argument where you know, and I, we've had these arguments with my wife, me and her, where where she'll she'll be mad at me clearly, and I have no idea what's going on. I know something's wrong, and she's bothered by it, but I have no information. It's the worst feeling in the world to be in, and and here we are in this moment. We have a baby on the way. She's what four months pregnant give or take and we are being told by doctors to come in tomorrow to see what's going on with our child that we have no information on it was it was the one of the worst moments um in in my life and in, in in bianca's life for sure boom boom all right coming up saturday right saturday at one all right man um, okay, homie, please. So, uh, again, this segment we might want to rename to Homet, please, because we're featuring another lady in this one. Uh, and I just have one. Um, I mean, again, it's hard to just <laughs> to, to narrow it down and figure <laughs> out what I'm going to be able to figure out, uh, what I'm going to be able to fit in the show each week, but with all this craziness going on. But uh, this week, uh, I just had to give it to Maxine Waters. 
Uh, here you go. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> she's coming out doing interviews, you know, with this impeachment trial stuff, you know, about incitement of erection, uh, erection, <laughs> insurrection. <laughs> I said it myself. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Love it. Uh, uh, yeah. So, um, you know, many people are familiar with her video um, in June uh, 2018, where she's just just blasting people and talking about, you know, hey, if you see any Trump supporters in a restaurant or a gasoline station, you get in their face and you make them feel not welcome. Well, and now she's coming out, um, you know, with videos and saying uh, stuff to the contrary. Do you have that video there, John? I do. Okay. Uh, Can you say that you have not glorified or encouraged violence against Republicans? Absolutely, I can say it. As a matter of fact, if you look at the words that I used, the strongest thing I said was tell them they're not welcome. Talk to them. Tell them they're not welcome. I didn't say go and fight. I didn't say anybody was going to have any violence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Homie, please. Okay. My goodness, man. The double standards and hypocrisy, um, you know, again, just never ceases to amaze. Uh, you know, she's on tape, on video, flat out saying these things. And now she's going to come out and say something different. But again, it's to be expected. But uh, this is just one of those things that is just blatantly like wow like i can't even believe that they think people are are that stupid or just <laughs> don't have information about what's going on but um and, and she's done it multiple times you know well, you know she's betting, that, but dave they're betting on they're betting on the fact yeah. that the people are only watching that 10 seconds and don't remember the three minute thing she did two years ago you know that's what they're betting on they're betting on that we're only headline readers and well, we don't watch the full information yeah, I mean, man, I mean, I don't know, man. I think they're, they're also betting that people are just stupid. I think they just literally think people are just, oh, okay, well, she's saying that uh, she didn't do it, so I guess she didn't do it. I don't know. I, I, I just, I can, I just, I can't fathom the mind that somebody would like wouldn't just come out and maybe say, hey, you know, we're of a different mindset. Maybe I changed my mind. I apologize. Anything like they, they just they double, double down. down, quadruple down, and yes. when you think it would just be like. 100% like they just need to apologize and just, you know, uh, admit that they did something wrong. They just never do it. <laughs> well, just, if they do that, though, it shows a sign of weakness because apologizing yeah. and taking accountability for your actions today is a weakness now, exactly. at least in politics. It's not in, in real world because in cancel culture, you don't have an opportunity. They just cancel you, um, right. you know, so that it's, it's just it sucks, man. And, and um, you know, it's just the flip flopping that happens on both sides is nuts. Yeah. Yeah. There was just another lady who uh, got um canceled from her job uh, did you see that I, yeah I, I gina Carino. Yeah, yeah she's like the ex ufc fighter uh she yeah. does now she's she's a terrible actress so they should have just fired her for her acting but mm. um they end up firing her because she decided to post something about how uh what's happening now with conservatives um it's like being compared to that of being in nazi germany back in you know during world the world war uh world war ii mm. world war whatever mm. it was but yeah i mm. mean it's um she got canceled because of that mm. it's a shame man that it is. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all I got. Unless you wanted to nominate anybody. You got anybody? Uh, uh, no, I, 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 how about just the Democrats? Homie, please. Yeah, okay. Well, I'll let's take just, that. Let's just say that this impeachment <laughs> trial, like seriously, I, it's, yeah. I honestly, I feel as though like CNN and Fox News, they all threw a bunch of money. Like they, they bid for like, like the FIFA World Cup and impeachment is to just get more ratings.
Yeah. All this is is just to buy more rating time because what why are we doing this? Again, if you don't want Donald Trump to be run for re-election, it's quite simple. Bring a candidate in that you think either on the Republican side or the Democrat side that you think can beat him. And then guess what? He doesn't he doesn't win anymore or find yeah. some stuff that puts his ass in jail. I mean, I don't know what more I can say. <laughs> I don't, you know, just this impeachment thing. Just a, it's a waste of money. I mean, we're the the yeah, yeah. Just, it's just it's just a waste. So, homie, yeah. please, why are we doing this? Um, and I know the reason that the Democrats will say is it's because they don't want him re being running for re-election. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, another thing too is it might be a distraction from what Biden is doing. I mean, if you if you are <laughs> know what's going on there, maybe we can cover this more next. Four hundred executive off orders. Or yeah, <laughs> the EOs, the executive orders. Um, you know, the conversations with China, what he's doing with uh, the borders. Uh, yeah. So it's kind of uh, I think also partly to to let him go and do his thing, so it's under the radar. And people aren't paying attention as much. And it's like, whoa, like if you see what's going on, I, I think uh, a lot of people didn't didn't think that this is what they were voting for. So yeah. we tried to warn them, right? We tried to warn them. Well, <laughs> I did at least. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I've warned anybody about anything. I, I tend to be more passive when it comes to politics if I can. But yeah, um, but yeah no, I mean, I, I agree. I'll say, homie, please, America, wake up. Yes. America, wake up. You want to know why America needs to wake up? We need to wake up because we should all be tired of this shit. Yeah. I I, I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. You got to be tired of just seeing this cons. I don't care who the president is or who. Just stop. Like, just focus on making our country better. Whatever that means. You know, hey, if, if Biden believes that $15 an hour minimum wage is best for our country and everyone believes that way, go do it. You gotta find a way to pay for it, but go do it. I mean, but let's not do all this other bullshit that we're doing, where we just start yelling at each other and calling into their names, and that's all we do all day long for four years. And then we reelect the same people that just yell at each other all the time, and then flip flop about how they think violence is okay in restaurants two years ago, but all of a sudden today violence is not okay. And I never said that. Uh, I just, <laughs> hey, look, there's a fire that's behind the, me. This is a peaceful protest. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we we need to be able to have. Um conversations and, 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 you know, debates about stuff. And that's the thing is like, they're trying to make it so that there really isn't any intellectual debate about anything anymore. They really just, they don't, they're not interested. They don't feel like they <laughs> have to win debates or persuade anybody or influence anybody. It's just like, we're in power and we're just going to do what we need to do. And uh, if you disagree, we're going to, you know, call you names or cancel you. And they're, you know, eliminating history, you know, trying to, to destroy our company's or our, our country's history so that we can't even go back and say, hey, this is what happened here. See, you can see what happened here. They're well, just like the you argument know, systematically. Been, well, the argument has been that, you know, you don't want to you want to glorify, you know, and that's what statues and, and road signs or glorification of things is what they say. Right. That's what you know, I, I yeah, say it's, it's just history. I mean, no, no, but I'm also I'm just saying, like, even what they're teaching in schools and the oh, history yeah. books and stuff like that. I mean, you can't, you know, they're they're not letting those type of stuff uh, that that type, those type of books be published and get out there. And yeah, so you have to be. I mean, that's the foundation of our country. It, it's you should be able to disagree and debate and talk about stuff. That's how we get to better conclusions. But it's one side has one side has yeah one side has no interest in in doing that at all. So it's, so it's very for, immature. Just, just so you know, in March, we're bringing a new program to the to the network, and it's going to be called Debate Night. Uh -oh. uh, and <laughs> it's going to be uh, healthy debates about 
very important things in our country. So we'll we'll yeah. get uh, someone from one side, from the other side. I'll have a we'll be a moderator. I am tired of hearing politicians talk about what they think we need. I want to hear from people like me and you. What yeah. do I want? What do you need? Yeah. What do you want? You know, and let's have a conversation about that. Let's have a debate. You know, and let's do it in a, in a, in a respectful way and 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 talk our points and see what happens. So that's coming. That's coming this March, by the way. Cool. Well, yeah. Hopefully, I can be a part. <laughs> yeah, man. You want to be a moderator one week? You can be on. You can be. You can on the other side. You can be debating uh, your your point of view. We'll have somebody else debating their point of view. Yeah. Uh, and we'll call it homie, please. Be Whatever great. you need, man. Whatever you want. It's your, <laughs> it's your network. <laughs> so. Yeah. So cool. Uh, throwback Thursday, sir. Yeah. Let's do it. All right, we'll take a quick break. We'll come right back. All right. All right, cool. It's the uh, last commercial of the day. After we had gotten this, you know, this diagnosis and, and gone through all these tests, you know, the first thing he says to us, which is, you know, he's like, I, I have to say this. I have to let you know and advise you of your options. And those, the only option that he advised us of was, you know, you can terminate this pregnancy. Now, for the benefit of doubt and being this is the first time with this doctor and that we didn't really have any other experience with doctors in this regard, we, we made the, you know, I gave him a pass. You know, I gave the doctor a pass. I didn't know. We didn't know, uh, the, you know, what, what, what this was going to look like or how to experience all this. We told him like, Hey doctor, you know, maybe for some parents, maybe for some people that might be an option, but for us, it's not an option. It's not even on the table. If our child has Down syndrome, we'll be the best damn Down syndrome parents that you could be. Boom. Boom. <laughs> All right. Well, I know we're running kind of short on time here, so um, I just have a short segment here I'll read from uh, the book that I've been reading. The American Story, The Beginnings. Uh, this is chapter 14, and uh, this one is entitled Diverse Patriots. So just has some uh, some bullet points here of uh, diverse patriots, just so we can learn a little bit more about our history and uh, and where, we're, where we came from. Uh, okay, you got the, the picture there, I'm actually John? pulling it up right now because the, the, the actual thing, it threw me back. So give me one second. I'm going to have it up here in a second here. Okay, well. I'm pulling it up. Yeah, now. okay. And three. One, boom. Perfect. Okay. So chapter 14, Diverse Patriots. Significantly, the group of individuals who fought to secure liberty and inalienable rights for every individual was diverse. Contrary to popular misconceptions, America definitely was not founded solely by rich white males. For example, there were numerous African-American patriots, such as Prince Whipple, who accompanied George Washington in the legendary Christmas Day crossing of the Delaware. He is believed to be the man on the oar in front of Washington's boat in the famous painting of the crossing of the Delaware. Wentworth Cheswell, who in 1768 became the first black man elected to office in America, being reelected for 49 years. During the revolution, he made a Paul Revere-like ride to warn patriots. Salem Poor, a decorated soldier in the Battle of Bunker Hill, who also fought at Saratoga and Monmouth, and uh, endured the devastating winter at Valley Forge. Crispus Attucks, who resisted the British and became one of the first fatalities of the Boston Massacre. I might feature him in one of these segments here uh, down the road. Peter Salem, another decorated hero from the Battle of Bunker Hill. Prince Estabrook, a Minuteman wounded at Lexington. Jack Prince Sisson, who played a key part in a daring and dramatic 
secret mission that set a precedent for today's special forces operations. James Armistead, America's first double spy. I'll probably do a feature on him as well. Um, and other black notables, including Richard Allen, Lemuel Haynes, Jordan Freeman, Oliver Cromwell, and many more. So I'll stop there uh, for today, John. Yeah, because uh, like I said, I know we're uh, we're running short on time, but uh, just uh, a cool list of diverse patriots, and I'll I'll probably be diving a little bit more into some of those down the road. But uh, it's cool stuff, man, and I don't uh, I don't see I don't I've I've never heard of it. I, I've never heard of a lot of those guys. Did you Did you know about any of those no, guys? No, no. Okay. So yeah, it's just interesting to to note. I mean, these guys are really good. Their their book covers a lot of stuff that I don't think a lot of people know about so that'll be cool yeah i don't know for sure man yeah well, all right well, well cool, man yeah that does it uh i guess anything else you wanted to, to add here john Make uh, sure. no, have a great weekend it's valentine's day weekend not yes. that, that makes a difference um i guess but uh yeah <laughs> so have, have a great weekend right yeah saturday at one Saturday at one. Yep. The, uh, the, the father story starts, uh, comes out here this uh, Saturday at 1 PM. It's instant premiere and it'll be on the, the network and on the YouTube channel um, that you can watch anytime after that. It'll be part one is this week. Part two will come out next Saturday, same time. Nice. So, uh, so yeah. So uh, without uh, further ado, we will then say goodbye. My name is John and Turner. Uh, and that's David Seidel. This has been America needs new PR comes out here every Thursday, 8 PM right here on the Oprah road network. Uh, we will see you here next Thursday. What the hell is going on in America? In one year, we've seen lockdowns and masks normalized, along with the loss of our freedom of speech and a very suspicious election. We're being inundated with lies from the media that are intended to divide us and make us live in fear. You're called a kook if you believe in God, America, the Constitution, and if you're pro-police or pro-life. Enough is enough. If you believe in those things, you're right where you belong. Let's start getting the truth about America out there and coming together again. America 